Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Now, last week we started counting the days and we're up to day eight right now. So we're going to count them. I know it sounds weird, but we're going to do it. So uh, first off is the first day we go number... Beautiful. And then we're going to count eight more, and then eight more, and then eight more. Eventually, we come to 50, which is what Penta means. Pentecost is simply this festival of harvest. But we know what happens. When they're full of spirit, all of a sudden, they have a harvest of 3,000 people on that day. At Dayspring, we make Pentecost a big deal. We make it, we try to make it the biggest, highest, holiest day of a whole year because we feel like at that point, it's our birthday, and the life that Jesus promises we can have happens and starts happening right there. We think that in human history, and we believe that Jesus still wants to do that kind of thing in our lives today. So we're going to read this passage of Scripture. Nye's going to read it, and John Stott says, the Acts of the Apostles might more accurately be termed the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to read this along with Naya and say, hmm, what is the Holy Spirit doing in this passage? Would you please stand in honor of this account of Luke in Acts? Thank you, Naya. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's columnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them. As he passed by, crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they, were, as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the, apostle, for the apostles. But on arriving at jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what, what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to, and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this, in, his, in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted, exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put him to death. Let's pray. 
Dear God, thank you for allowing us to be here today, Lord, and thank you for your word, Lord. Just pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to the Holy Spirit today, Lord. Just pray that you would give Mr. Matt uh, the obedience to speak your words and the words to speak, Lord. Just pray that it will be able to reach each and every one of us here today, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So I've got six points, only made through three of them. Uh, we'll see if I can streamline this a little bit. Maybe we can. Maybe it's just the Lord says, I, I like those three points. Let's just stop there, Matt. And all that incredible hard work you did this weekend, half the sermon, let's just lay it to the side. I'm, I'm, I'm open to that sort of thing. The first thing, however, when we talk about the acts of the Spirit here, it's the most amazing thing how the, the Holy Spirit uses the formerly unusable. In other words, you've got men now that are adequate for the moment. If there's pain, they can move in. If there's chaos, they can move in. If there is threats, they can do and be the people they need to be. I am very impressed with what the Spirit can do in us and for us as we are indeed not the people we needed to be and now we are the people we needed to be because of that filling of the Spirit. It says at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. Now, I want you to know, I am not particularly desirous of our church being known as a signs and wonders church. However, if we're full of the Spirit like He wants us to be, if we're trying to be holy as He is holy like we're supposed to be, there's going to be signs and wonders. And a sign and a wonder is basically this. A sign is something, and you saw a bunch of them on the way here. A sign is something that says, hey, go this way, or spend your money this way, or call this number. Well, that being the case, a sign ought to point to Jesus. But we live in a world where a lot of signs and wonders point to themselves. Points to the guy that's bringing the sign and wonder to happen. It points to the church. It points to the sign. And I got to tell you, I feel very uncomfortable with that. A sign is supposed to point straight to Jesus. And we ought to say, oh, I love signs. I love wonders. Because that puts me in touch with a wonderful, wonderful Savior. And so, I believe in signs and wonders. You need to believe them because if the Bible teaches it, it can happen today. Now, do you believe that? Amen. If it was happening in Acts, it can happen today. And that being the case, I, I think it's really interesting that on a few chapters ahead of this, Peter's betraying Jesus. The disciples are running for cover. Now, signs and wonders are taking place, and they're impo uh, very impressively. But what does it really tell us about being filled with the Spirit? Uh, I'm going to read something to you. A little controversial. Uh, we don't hide from controversy around here. We can help it. What's it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Stanley Jones, Methodist Missionary India, said this. If we're made other than Christ-like, it is some other spirit that possesses us. It might be the spirit of weakness or the spirit of folly. Spirit of clannishness, but it's not the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit will not make us other than Christ-like. Did Jesus ever speak in tongues? Did he ever go off into visions or dreams? Did he ever traffic in the merely mysterious or occult? Was there ever anything psychopathic about him? Was he not always poised, always balanced, always sane? Was there anything about him that was rampant emotionalism? Was there ever running around, whooping? Was there ever going down to the floor and barking like dogs? 
He says, ask these questions, says, answer them. Then why is it that with Christ as the essence of poise and balance, and with the Spirit as a Christ-like spirit, we have the fear that to be filled with the Spirit is to somehow border on the queer? The reason is that again and again the teaching concerning the Holy Spirit slips away from Jesus and becomes filled with other and marginal meanings. Whoa. Now listen, I want you to know this. I believe in tongues. I mean, if it's there, you've got to. But having said that, if tongues is separated from Jesus, then we've got a problem. And I'm going to tell you, it frequently is. I was, I was uh, running around in a hometown at the Happening Church. Happened to be a church that taught, if you're filled with the Spirit, you will speak in tongues. And so we had all kinds of people speaking in tongues and smoking joints out behind the youth building afterwards. So you tell me, were they filled with the Spirit? I'm going to suggest to you to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus if you want to know what the sign of that is, it's not tongues. It's Jesus' likeness. That's what it is. And we can fight and argue about that all we want. But I will suggest to you this church stands on Christ's likeness, holy as he is holy. And that makes some people feel uncomfortable. No, you know, I heard this great teaching on TV. Neil Postman said something one time. If you're talking about TV and sometimes even radio, one thing you need to know, people will do just about anything to get a bigger listening audience. And that's true of churches too. So what we've said at Spring is what we want to be is as biblical, as Christ-like, as holy as we possibly can be. We want to be filled with the Spirit. We want signs. We want wonders. We want healings. We want the whole package because we want to be more like Jesus than ever before. And we want a growing army of Jesus' likeness. Are you with me on this, Spring? Second thing is this. The Holy Spirit creates healers. I love this. It says, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they're all being healed. How cool is that? Listen, I got the feeling I know why this happened. I got the feeling that once you know who the gods and the goddesses that were going around at the time and why we tell, retell these stories. Remember now, John said, there's so many things about Jesus that we haven't covered. It would fill library with the books. We just can't do it all. So they pick out stories. And I think some of the stories they picked out was because you all need ammunition for the gods that are going around at the time. So one of the gods is, was Asclepius. Asclepius, by, by the way, uh, I had it up here and then I forgot to send it to, but there, you can look it up. Look it up, when, not now, okay? Not. <laughs> There's called the rod of Asclepius. And it's a rod with a snake. Going now, you've seen this before. I think it's the AMA. Listen, that makes me feel, uh, you know, AMA does that whatever it wants, and I'm not a part of them, and God bless them. But listen, it kind of makes me feel a little funny that they've got an Asclepius rod that says, hey, this is the medical community of America? Give me a break. Anyway, the rod of Asclepius is basically this snake. And so one of the things we think is there's so many miracles of Jesus, so many healings, and they're talked about in the Gospels is because they needed to know Jesus can actually do this thing 
This Asclepius temple you guys got going, they're just a bunch of hokum. And so the pool of Bethesda, remember that story? We're not going to go over it right now, but there's a pool of Bethesda, and a great healing was done at that pool. Why did John recount that? We think he recounted it because not far from, by the way, a couple, about a year and a half ago, I was at that pool. And basically gave a substantial part of the talk I'm giving right now at that pool. It was cool. I mean, it was down there. We were up here. But I was able to give some of what I'm going to tell you right now to say, whoa, Jesus can heal. And he wants to heal us and he wants us to become healers. He wants us to become healers. And so we believe that substantially happens and it's just, it can happen today. And he wants it to happen today because there are a lot of rival healing dynamics going on out there. Lots of them. So this temple of Asclepius, what you do is you'd go there. And they would interview you. If they decided, you know, I think we can probably heal this guy, this woman. I think we can heal them. They'd let you in. You'd go down a long tunnel. You'd finally come to a room. And I tell you what, this room would freak me out. I mean, I like to think of myself as a real man, but, you know, all things being equal, keep snakes away from me. Because uh, you, you'd kneel down or you would lay down some cots and there'd be some snakes down below you. And uh, at that point, I'm thinking, hey, drug me, do whatever, get me out of here. And so they would probably, we don't know this exactly, but we think they probably drug them. And you would go off and go to sleep while you got snakes down below you. And you would go off into visions. This would be the kind of drug that would kind of stimulate your brain. And you'd be moving around, they'd wake you up and say, what have you been dreaming about? They'd take your dream, they'd go tell the priest of Asclepius. They'd say, okay, this is what they dreamed. Well, based on that dream, I think what that dream means is we ought to give you this thing to heal you. And then they'd give you that thing and they'd let you wait a little while longer. And if you were healed or, you know, sort of healed or, hey, we gave you, you know, something to eat and you know, some clean water and, yeah, I am feeling a lot better, then go bow down before the statue of Asclepius and give thanks. Now, these people called Christians back then and Jews saw that snake and they kind of went back to the Garden of Eden and they did not like it. And Jesus, we think, saw pretty much the same thing. So what happened at that point was Jesus starts performing these miracles. John and the other writer said, let's make sure everybody knows about these miracles because Jesus really does heal. Not like the fake Asclepius temple and those jerk priests, Jesus is the real healer. And I just love this story of healing here. It says, these guys started to become healers. And I want you to know, I believe in healing. And I want you to know the spirit-filled church will believe in healing. And I want you to know that if you're spirit-filled here today, you need to not only believe it, you need to export it. From this place outside. Listen, I, I like to think of Dayspring as a great exporting church. Whatever happens in here, we want to get out there. Uh, by the way, so that has something to do with this. I, uh, I last night went out and bought. I, 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 thought, I thought about going to Israel, and then I kind of ran out of time. So I went out last night, <laughs> went to the clo closest place that I thought was Israel-like, Kroger's. And, uh, and I went there and I thought, okay, let me, let me find some olive oil. So they had, a, you, know, you know, extra virgin. I have no idea what that even means, extra virgin olive oil. It was a little pricier than this. So I, I, I bought the $2.77 olive oil thing, right? 
Now, this is not Israel. Well, I don't know. Who knows? I haven't read the... Made in Italy. It's, this is Italian. <laughs> Woo! How about that? All the way from Italy. Your pastor bought this last night for you. So this is going to be the challenge today. I want to, I got 14 here. I need 14 people that are crazy enough to say, I'm going to come grab me a bottle of olive oil. I don't think it's necessary to use it. Jesus didn't use olive oil. And the, the teaching in James is, yeah, if you want the elders to come pray for you, we'll anoint you with oil. That's, that's good, but I don't think healing, that's the only way healing. You take it. If you want to anoint someone with oil, that's fine. But if you don't, that's fine too. That's not why I'm giving you olive oil today. I want you to take it. And as a sign of commitment, take this with you. Put it in your car. Put it on the dashboard. Put, put, it, put it wherever you want to put it. Put it in your purse to remind you that for the next 42 days, that'd be the days counting up the Pentecost, for the next 42 days, I'm going to find someone that I can pray for healing about. And I'm not talking about one person in the next 42. I'm talking about one person every day. Jesus brings someone into my life that I can pray for healing about. Rose, you got something? Jesus, I'm going to put my hand on Rose just like that. By the way, I don't ask permission anymore. <laughs> I used to say, would you like for me to pray? So I just, ah, whatever. I just start praying. It's kind of weird. But I, I, I even do this, you know, I'll, I'll be in a, like a food line somewhere. And someone will be talking. I said, really? You got a problem? Hey, I'll just put my arm on and start, start praying healing. I, I do that. You need to do that. We need to be a healing people. You can ask. That's a polite thing to do. If you're, if you're in the politeness, do that. Uh, you don't want to freak anybody out. You don't want to make anybody mad. You can kind of discern that. In the, but, and I don't, you know, you might anoint them with oil. I wouldn't. I just, I'm, I'm just going to keep one of these with me to say, Matt, do it. Every day, ask Jesus to bring someone in your life that needs physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing, something's going on in their life. They need a touch of God to heal their lives. And I need 14 crazy people. I don't know who you are, but we're going to announce the end of this service, and I want 14 people to come up and say, I'm grabbing me one of these as a commitment, and next week I want you to start sharing. I want you to change the conversation in this church. I want you to walk in those doors. I want you to start talking about it. Hey, listen, I took one of the bottles last week. Pastor's crazy, but I decided to be crazy too. Let me tell you what happened. And by next week, you ought to have about seven people you prayed for. Now, you might double up one day. You didn't get anybody that day. Double up another. Whatever. About seven people. If you bring in five, no punishment. We won't whip you or anything. But if you don't, but start talking about the healing Jesus is doing. Now, it's up to God to do it. Jesus heals. We do not. But we can pray for it. If you're crazy enough to have, say, I got that much faith. I'm going to pray for it. Then let's go. Let's roll. Let's rock and roll. All right? So this is up here. And by the way, I believe in healing. Do you? Do you all believe in healing? I'm going to tell you I believe in it. I've told you these stories, but I like, I like to tell them again. I, I think stories are a little bit like songs. You just want to hear them over and over again. And if you don't, I want to tell them over and over again. So here we go. Uh, back when I was uh, in sixth grade or so, I had a math teacher that didn't like me, and I didn't much like him. So I started staring off into the middle distance, and I made a D in math. Now, my, uh, my older brother and older sister are brilliant people. Uh, never made less than an A ever. I mean, college, law school, Georgetown, seminary, they were just brilliant. And then along comes Matt. Now, Matt was a fun kid. You know, he did all the sports things and sang stuff. 
My parents love me because they probably got to have some fun. Let's go to some fun things that Matt's in. Fun, okay, but I was dumb as a rock. And math, oh, just terrible. And so I made a D. And they just thought, you know, he's a freedom. He made a D. Something's wrong with a boy's brain. So the next scene in my life is I'm literally at the neurologist with wires coming out all over the place. And uh, I had to have 50 wires coming out of my head. And uh, it was Dr. Wiggs. And Dr. Wiggs at the end of it says, Matt's got a problem. I'm thinking, no brain or what? I mean, what, what's a... <laughs> Matt's got a problem. Well, Mom said, what, what should we do? Well, I'm going to diagnose... I, I know the name of the medicine. I'm not going to throw it out there. But anyway, uh, it's white pill with a little red thing around the middle of it. Some of you already know what it is. White pill, red thing. Okay, says Mom. Well, the stuff was pretty expensive. And, you know, we never, had, never quite had the insurance we needed to have. And so... I'm taking this expensive stuff every breakfast and every, every supper, and it's supposed to heal my brain. I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the line, I think mom just gets tired of paying for it. And she just says, you know. So one breakfast, she comes up, and I was about ready to take it out of the bottle and, and take one of them, and mom says, stop, man. She puts her hands down on my head and she says, Jesus, heal Matt's brain. And she took the pills, and she threw them away. Now, I kept being dumb as a rocket math. <laughs> Brain apparently wasn't healed. But I knew this. My mom believes in healing. I started believing in healing. So not long after that, I really do start having a problem. It's, it's like a, a, a knife going through my head. Every time I stand up, mm. and I read a few years ago in USA Today, about this kind of explosion of this stuff that always exists, but now we have explosion. It's really dangerous for kids that are in prepubescence. They're about ready to be teenagers, but before they get there, they start having this problem, and it can be lethal. Well, I didn't know that, uh, but, uh, you know, every time I stand up, it's just knife, and uh, mom is a little worried, so she decides to go to the big man. Uh, we've got a guy in town named Lauren Dyke, and he was somewhat charismatic, big E. Stanley Jones fan. That's why I'm an E. Stanley Jones fan. And so, and so he comes over to the house. Now, Mom and Dad are gone. It's just Lauren walks in and says, hi, Matt. I said, hello, Mr. Dyke. He says, uh, what's your problem, son? I said, uh, boy, every time I stand up, and I told him all about it. He said something. Do you believe Jesus can heal you? You know, Mom did that thing, and. I love Jesus, I guess, so sure, sure. He says, okay. So he puts his hand on my forehead just like that. He prays a simple prayer. I don't know what it was. Simple prayer. Listen, you don't have to pray perfectly for healing. Oh, God, shake him. You just don't have to do it. You're talking to Jesus. You're having a conversation with him. Touch him. Pray. Be sober about it. Be cool about it. Jesus I want you to heal Matt right now. He stepped back and says, stand up. Well, I didn't want to stand up. I know what happens when you stand up. You get this knife thing going through your brain. Stand up. All right. I stood up, and it was gone. And there was no doubt in my mind 
what happened in that moment. Now, I've had lots of things happen since then, but I'm going to tell you there's something very, very powerful in this healing. I didn't say, hey, thanks for coming to the second service. I didn't share this, but there's a guy named Tony Campolo, and he in many ways has disappointed me, but he tells a story that happened early in his career. He said, he says, uh, he, said, he says he was at, the, uh, at a, a college campus, and it was kind of a formerly Christian campus, kind of like a, a Millsaps thing. They used to love Jesus, but they went off, and now they don't even like to even call themselves Christian campus anymore. Just, they just do other things. And so he says, it was that kind of campus. He says, and, and we were, uh, he, says, he says, I was up there doing my thing at this Christian campus, it was a spiritual formation week, which is another way to say a be kind to God week because we don't really do this thing much, but someone endowed the speakership, and so therefore I got to speak, and we got to have a speaker. So he goes up there, and he starts speaking, and he's speaking, and Campolo is about the best speaker in America as far as I'm concerned. He's an amazing speaker. He's going along, and all of a sudden, a woman comes down. It never happened before to him. It says, He's going to help you? He's in the middle of his talk. He says, can I help you? She goes, yeah, you can help me. He says, my kid needs healing. Well, Ken Polo wasn't talking about healing. All he knows is now he's got a woman. He says, yeah, what kid? And the kid's over there sitting down. He's got braces on his legs. Oh, no. So he he looks back and says, "Uh, Charlie, what do I do? And Charlie's got this medallion, you know, he smokes a pipe. He's relevant. He's got a turtleneck on. Chaplain of the school. He goes up and says, well, Tony, what does, what does the Bible tell you to do? And Tony says, I, I don't know. What does the Bible tell me to do? He says, you anoint the kid with oil. Campolo says, what kind of oil? He says, Del Monte. I don't know. <laughs> get the kid up here. We'll go get, get somebody to go get some oil. So they went out and got some oil and got him up there and and then he said, Charlie took, took, took the lectern. He says, brilliant. It was a brilliant move. He says, this woman wants healing for a kid. Anybody here that doesn't think that this kid can be healed, leave now. He says, perfect. Everybody left. The whole place emptied out. Except for the charismatics. And they were up here, already up here speaking in tongues and praying for healing. And Campola says, all right. So someone brought in the Del Monte oil. They anointed the kid. And they just started praying. And Campola says, I start praying one of my fake, phony prayers. You know, the, the kind of prayers they teach in seminary. Oh, thou great transcendent creator. Thou who dost make everything and remakes the things that have endured sin. Oh, transcendent creator, we ask that you cometh down now. And Jesus and I went quiet. And all the charismatics went quiet. And everybody went quiet. And the Holy Spirit fell. No one said a thing. He says, we got done. And I lifted my hands off the kid. And I knew he was going to be walking without braces. That he would be healed. He wasn't healed. He says, I was embarrassed. So I went back, got on the turnpike, went back home as fast as I could. Tried to forget all about it. He says, a couple years later, I was back in that area. I was preaching at a church, and this woman comes up after the service. She goes, remember me? Campola says, yeah, I remember you. You had the kid with braces. Hey, how's your kid doing? She goes, well, look at him. 
He's jumping around pews, you know, acting ornery. Campos says, well, what happened? And she says, you prayed. You prayed, and, and after you were done praying, everybody was done praying, went home that night, and the braces were too tight. So we, we undid the braces just a little bit. Next night, he was crying again. We undid the braces. And in a week's time, his legs were straight as an arrow, and he could walk. He could run. He could jump. You prayed. And Campola says, "Woo, what a great story. He says, I went back to the University of Pennsylvania where he was teaching at the time. He says, he went to his friend. He said, Robert, guess what happened? He said, I prayed for this kid. And, and, and Jesus healed him. You know what, Robert? The religion professor says, Tony, he says, that, that story does not fit my theology. And Campola says, Robert, what if God is bigger than your theology? And he is. He's bigger than, no matter what kind of theology you got, he's bigger than your theology. He's bigger than us. He's bigger than all creation. And if he's bigger than all creation, don't you think some of you could grab a bottle and go pray and something will happen in the next 42 days. That's the kind of God we serve. He just needs crazy people that believe in him. Anybody here crazy enough? Just asking. So I believe in healing. And I believe God wants us to believe it. And I think he wants us to export this healing. So we're asking for some crazy people here. That the, this is why I didn't get through six points. I do want to share one more. The Holy Spirit gets people in trouble. Amen. I just want to tell you, it's almost a biblical promise. I think it is, actually. Uh, hey, if, if you belong to us, you're going to have trouble. Everybody wants to come to Jesus and say, I've got nothing but peace and joy and love from now on. Hallelujah. Thank God. And somebody needs to come up and says, no, not exactly. If peace, joy, and love is what you want all the time, it ain't going to happen because there's going to be some people that hate you. There's going to be some people that aren't happy with what you're doing. And peace, yeah, you got the peace that passeth all understanding, but you might not have peace with your boss once they find out that you're healing people at work. Uh, I like that Paul and Silas story. The, the reasoning with the Jews in Thessalonica across about three Sabbaths, it says, they're being very successful. A number of Jews are saying yes to Jesus now. And the Jews there in charge are thinking, we're starting to lose our stranglehold on our people. And so they set, they, they form a mob. They set the whole city in an uproar. And then they go looking for the evangelists and they don't find them. But they do find Jason. And Jason's related to the evangelists. They find some other believers. They bring them before the city officials. And this is what they shout. You can read about it in Acts 17. These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. That's what they call the disciples. People who are causing trouble all over the world. And then in Acts 24, a man named Tertullus says to Felix concerning Paul, we have found this man, <laughs> I love this, we found this man to be a troublemaker. He's a troublemaker, stirring up riots among Jews all over the world. Hey, listen, y'all. 
Sometimes when you come to church, I'll say, hey, how you doing? Nice trip. But sometimes I come up and says, caused any trouble this week? Now, we don't want to just cause trouble. We don't want to be jerks. We don't want to... But listen, that's our duty is to create some holy trouble. Some holy trouble. Some righteous trouble. Some Jesus trouble. And it's going to happen if you're obedient to the call of the Spirit on your life. I love the commencement speaker that actually used these two verses. I think I'm going to do that next time I speak to a seminary uh, commencement or something. He, she, actually it was she, used these two passages for her address to the seminary graduates. Go ye into the world and cause trouble. Amen. Dayspring. Go into the world and heal. Go into the world and love. Go in the world and cause some trouble. I'm looking for some crazy people. Now, if you're like me, you'd never come up here and grab one of these things. The way I do things, I go to Kroger and buy my own, just so no one knows I'm doing it. I'm still looking for some people that'll just do it. Let me, what are you doing this right now? Look at this one. No, I want you to come up right now. I want you to come up right now. Give her a round of applause. You don't wait for nothing. There's some two crazy people. Jesus, right now, I just ask blessing over Dayspring. And as people come up and for the next 42 days pray healing over people, whether they do it with one of these bottles or not, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll give us testimonies. Testimonies, Lord Jesus, of healed people. Testimonies of folks that are now warm to the gospel because someone's crazy enough to pray for them. Crazy people, Lord Jesus, that bring holy love to bear on our situations. So Jesus, whatever they were in Acts, that's what we want to be today. Signs, wonders, healings, trouble. Getting out of prison is what we want to be today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Only four bottles left. You better hustle. God bless you. See you next week.